Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says this, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy. Somebody shout worthy. To walk worthy of the calling of which you were called. How many of you know you're not supposed to walk in your calling? You're supposed to walk worthy of that calling. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope and one of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Come on, somebody. Is that, is that exciting? Don't you love the Word of God? But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Some of y'all need to underline that in your Bible. Christ's gift or highlight it on your app. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, who ascended on high? Say his name. So we're talking about Jesus. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended, that was during the time that his body lay in the tomb for three days. He is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens. Watch this. That he might fill all things. So when he ascended to heaven and sat at the right hand of God, he said it is finished on the cross. What was finished on the cross? He shed his blood on the cross for our forgiveness to give us access to the kingdom of God. But the full thing was not finished until he ascended to heaven and sat at the right hand of the Father. Because remember what he told him in Acts chapter 1, I'm going to my Father, but I need you to tarry in Jerusalem till you receive the promise of the Father. And when that comes on you, then not only will you have access to the kingdom, but you will flow in kingdom authority. Am I preaching right? So we understand that the fulfillment of us being worthy of our calling happened when he ascended to heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Look at verse 11. And he, who is he? Oh, y'all awake. I said, who is he? Jesus. It's very important that you understand that. And he himself. Did you see that? He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. He didn't stop right there. How many of us, if he had stopped right there, it would have sounded like a religious hierarchy. It would have sounded like he chose to set five different offices in the church that just was a, so that they could be lifted up and that they could be loved on, that they could be lavished with gifts because they were somehow more special than anyone else. But he goes into verse 12 and tells us why he did it. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. How many knows if the ministry's going to get worked, the saints are going to work it? Come on. You may not think it about yourself, but the body calls you saints. Look at your neighbor and tell them you're a saint. Watch this. Not only for the equipping of the saints, watch this, but for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now look at verse 13. Till we all come into the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is all why he gave gifts. He's still telling us why he gave these five gifts. 
that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking truth, somebody shout truth, in love that we may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. My God, that is a lot of stuff right there. I mean, I could unpack that for six months because not only is it talking about in that passage that Jesus himself gave gifts of the men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, for the equipping, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Then it goes on to talk about it's for the unity of the body of Christ. But then it goes on to say these gifts are put in our life to help us grow up in the Lord and to help us know that we have a part in this body and the body cannot grow unless everyone is doing their share. Don't make me throw this poop into the audience and hit y'all. I said, till everybody is doing their share, somebody say amen. Somebody shout, I want to do my share. Give him praise. Come on, come on, come on. And you ain't got to wait on somebody to ask you to do something. You need permission to shake somebody's hand and welcome them to the house of God and invite people to church and pray. I want you to say this. I have a calling on my life. Some of us know our calling, but most do not know their calling. They want to know their calling. They know that God has called them to do something, but they don't know what it is. You'll hear things like this all the time. I know the Lord's called me to do something, but I, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm just really praying for God to show me what it is he's called me to do. Well, let me tell you, it's not always the case, but you need to understand what we just read. One of the reasons that God instituted the five-fold ministry gifts is so that these gifts can help you find your calling. I cannot tell you what you're called to do. You cannot... You cannot become a preacher because your pastor said you're a preacher. You've got to hear from God. Amen. How many of you you've got to hear from God, whatever your calling is? But your pastor or, or, that, or one of the fivefold gifts that's in your life that we're going to talk about over the next several weeks can be used by God to confirm some things, to speak in some things, and to call some things out of you to give you a boldness that you never thought you could ever have. Am I preaching good? See, the first thing on your notes is this. God uses the five-fold ministry gifts to help you see your call, to help us see our calling. God uses the five-fold ministry gifts to help us see our calling. We are all called to the Great Commission. But yet, we're, in addition to that, we are, many of us, all of us, are called to certain gifts in our lives. Many Christians, even pastors, believe that the gifts of the five-fold ministry gifts Along most of the time, uh, it, it, the, the nine gifts of the Spirit, they don't believe they exist anymore. But there's a lot of people, believe it or not, that still believe in the nine gifts of the Spirit, but don't believe in the five gifts of the fivefold ministry. They don't believe that they're still in existence. They do, most churches do believe in the teacher. Would you agree with that? How many of those most churches have teachers in the church, right? Most churches believe in the office of a pastor. 
If they don't, why are they a church? Because how can you be a church without a pastor? Check one. I said, how can you be a church without a pastor? And, and, and to some extent, they don't really even understand what the evangelist even really means, to be honest with you. But most churches believe in evangelists. But their idea of an evangelist is not a biblical idea of an evangelist. Just because you travel from church to church to preach and get an offering doesn't make you an evangelist. <laughs> I can tell this series is going to get me a lot of amen. But for some reason, most of the churches believe in the teacher and the pastor and the evangelist, but they shudder at the thought of a prophet and an apostle. But see... It is the office, and I'm not preaching on the apostle and prophet today. I'm, pre- I'm going to go quickly. If I have enough time, I'm going to talk to you about teacher. But without the apostolic and the prophetic flowing down into the evangelistic and the pastoral and the teaching anointing, we are trying to fight a devil with three fingers. He's punching us, and we're thumping him with three fingers. In fact, it's these three fingers. See, the fivefold ministry is basically the, the earthly manifestation of the hand of God. When you look at the hand of God, you see the teacher, you see the pastor, you see the evangelist, you see the pastor, and you see the apostle. This pinky finger doesn't mean it's any less important because it's the pinky finger because how I many knows there's a lot of stuff we do with that pinky finger right you might not think it's important until it's gone but we understand that what separates us from every animal in the world they say in the world is that we have posable thumbs you can wrap around something other animals you know they're just like this they can't they can claw they can do this but we have the ability to grip in a way that no other animal has we can button a shirt. Try buttoning your shirt without your thumb. I, I dare you to do it. Go home. Not right now. <laughs> but, but, but when you go home, try buttoning your shirt without your thumb because, you know, I've tried it. When I've preached on this before, I've tried it. It's virtually impossible to button your shirt without your thumb. But yet, and also when you think about a fish, talking about a fight, how many of us we're in a spiritual fight? I wish somebody helped me preach. Do I need to go preach to AJ? I, I said, how many of us we're in a spiritual fight? Didn't y'all just come out of Elevate? Think about this. When you fight, you got a fist, right? Think about what holds it all together. That thumb. And, and so we try to take out the apostolic, but the apostolic all the way down to the teacher is what holds the fist together. If we really want to fight the devil and equip the saints for the work of the ministry, we need all five. Are y'all hearing me? But these are not meant to make an elite group of people. The next thing in your notes is this. The fivefold gifts are servant gifts. They are servant gifts. They are gifts to the body. And sometimes they can be a little harsh. I understand that, especially the prophetic anointing can be a little harsh at times. But because it's trying to help call out some things that need to be called in our life. But ultimately, memory says, speak the truth in love. So he said, speak the truth in love. Sometimes the truth hurts, but you can still speak it in love. But they are servant gifts, but they're also empowering gifts. They are releasing gifts. I believe that there's a reason why the church in America especially is not seeing the miracles of the Bible. 
it is because we are not allowing the gifts of Jesus, the five-fold ministry gifts, to be operational in the body of Christ. We are so afraid to let the apostolic, the prophetic move and many of all the gifts to flow in the church because others in the past have abused those gifts. Therefore, we're going to try to throw everybody, lump everybody into the, into the uh, you know, the old saying, you know, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. The reality is this, just because somebody called himself a prophet or an apostle and turned out to be a flake doesn't mean everybody else is flowing in that gift as a flake. I'm preaching better than you shouting. See, we want to see miracles again. We need the gifts of Jesus. We need the gifts of the Spirit, and we need the gifts of Jesus. Now, I'm going to show you something powerful to change your life if you'll listen. See, many people have tried to turn this into a controversial subject. Many pastors in the Pentecostal and even charismatic churches will not teach on five-fold ministry gifts because they're afraid that it will be misunderstood or they're afraid to talk about it because people in their movement have, have taught on this before and turned it into uh, a, um, a dynasty, turned it into a dictatorship where those elite people could not be touched and, and would speak down to everyone else and, and the, wanting, wanting them to, to have the nice airplanes and the nice Mercedes cars and live in the big fine homes, but yet the church suffer as long as the man of God sits on the golden throne, drinks from the golden goblet. Uh, everybody else has to suffer for the sake of the five-fold ministry gift. And I'm going to tell you something, it turns my stomach that people have taken... I've I have no problem with somebody being blessed. I have no problem with the pastor being blessed. But when you try to turn the word of God into something that is demeaning to the people to make you look like you're more special than they are, you are not flowing in the gifts of the apostolic gift. And it's causing us, it's just like these pastors don't want to teach on tithes. They don't want to teach on offering. They're scared to teach on tithe and offering because of what other people have done with tithe and offering teaching. But I'm not scared. I used to preach a series. Like, I'd, I'd say this every once in a while. If you can't hack it, get your jacket. I stopped doing that a long time. But here lately, I've been thinking I might need to bring that one back. See, from the outset, Jesus himself, did it not say himself? Jesus himself established, listen, five specific named ministries that would bring his church to full ministry potential. Oh, you didn't hear me. Without them, he is saying that he is telling us if we don't have them, we are not fully grown up. We just read that. Are y'all hearing me? Mm. See, Jesus was not content just to give the original, the original 12 apostles this gift, he was, in, he, he was absolutely intentional in saying these five gifts are for the body of Christ. See, these people that think there were 12 apostles and that's it, then why in the world would he say, would Paul write years later, when I know he's called the Apostle Paul, I know why he's called the Apostle Paul. People say that people that believe that the apostles died off uh, with Paul, they, they say it's because of the three years before he began his ministry that he spent in, in Arabia, that he spent time with Jesus and therefore because he saw Jesus, he had, the, he had the right to be called an apostle, or he had the right to be called a prophet. But, but that, that's really baloney, because here's the reality. There are others that are 
were alluded to and called apostles that were not a part of the first 12 and was not Paul. There were others that were called prophets. In fact, there was even women in the New Testament church that were called prophets. Are y'all hearing me? So he understood if the, that the church, if they're not careful, would have made the 12 apostles the only apostles. He said, I want you to know that they were different. They're, I'm not talking about you're going to be Peter or you're going to be one of the apostles like that. That was a specific mantle that was on them. But I'm talking about an apostolic mantle, an apostolic anointing that can flow down on you. The same apostolic flowing that flowed down on the original 12 is available to us. If not, then God is a respecter of persons. And the Bible clearly said God is not a respecter of persons. Is this good preaching? See, there are no biblical support for that argument that they died off, nor is there even any logical reason to believe that, to change or discontinue the pattern that Jesus established ministry in the early church. Here's a few reasons why I don't believe that the gifts died off. From this passage alone, I want to ask you a question. Are the saints of God or God's people perfected yet? No. The Bible says that these gifts, we just read it, are for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And it goes on to say, until we have become perf in perfect stature, until we have been perfected. I mean, as the Bible tells us, we're not going to be perfected until this mortal body puts on immortality. When we are glorified. Are you glorified yet? No. Then we need all five ministries are given for this purpose. Next question. Are the saints of the church of the people of God fully equipped now to do the work of the ministry? Is the work of the ministry completed? So if the work of the ministry is not completed... He said these gifts are to be in operation until we come into the fullness and the stature of God in perfection until the work of the ministry is fully done. Next question, last question. Is Christ's body, the church, fully built up into the place that God would want his body to be? No, certainly not. The, so, Scripture just said, we just read, until it is, we need all five-fold ministry to help us fulfill this heaven-ordained purpose. We're not perfected. We're not fully equipped. We have not uh, finished. The body of Christ is not in the place, and if anything, it looks like it's going in the opposite direction. Therefore, we probably need these gifts more than we ever have. <sighs> See, I'm telling you right now, I ain't trying to preach some super hot message to, to, to elevate individuals. But you need to know something. You need fivefold gifts in your life. I need them in my life. That's why after being in service and getting two and three hours of sleep each night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, so tired I couldn't even hardly keep my eyes open, I got in the car and drove to Cleveland, Tennessee, and went, went through one, two, three, four, five, six more services. 
because I knew I needed to get around other five-fold ministry gifts because I'm not fully equipped. Are you hearing me? I'm not, I'm not perfected. I'm not where I need to be. And I know that if all I ever do is give out, give out, give out, give out, and never receive myself, I will burn up, dry up, and die out myself. Can I get an amen? See, we believe... I want you to write this down. This is not in your notes, but I want you to write something called the gifts of the Trinity. You probably have never heard this. The gifts of the Trinity. And I'll explain it. What I mean by the gifts of the Trinity, I want to tell you, how many of those that we believe in one God that exists in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? If you believe that, say amen. amen. Even if you don't believe that, say amen. <laughs> Praise God. Because you don't got to believe it, but that's what we believe here in this church, and that's what we're going to teach. We have one God who, who manifests himself in the three persons, but they're so closely aligned that you can't separate them. But watch this. Jesus is the gift of the Father. So the gift of the Father is Jesus. You may want to write that down. So every part of the Trinity has given gifts to us. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So the Father said, I'm going to give you the ultimate gift. My gift to you is Jesus. How many knows in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read and we preach a lot about it here and teach and we believe in it, something called the nine gifts of the Spirit. How many knows that the Holy Spirit has given us nine gifts that are operational in the New, church, in New Testament church? Just a few of them. Of course, we know is tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, faith, words of, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Go on. You, you with me? You say, say amen. So even the Pentecostal church knows that Jesus is a gift of God. They know that the, the, the nine gifts of the Spirit. But the next thing on your notes is this. The fivefold gifts are the gifts of Jesus. They are the gifts of Jesus to the church. So the Father gave us Jesus. Jesus gave us, he, he gave of himself, but the way he manifests himself personally is to give you his hand, the fivefold ministry gifts, because the Bible said he himself gave them. Did we not just read that? Yes. He himself. Notice the reason it said that, it wanted to make sure that you understood clearly that we know that anything that comes from the Father, Son, or the Holy Spirit, we can always say to come from God. But he wanted, the Word of God was very clear that you understand that these gifts came from Jesus. And then the nine gifts of the Spirit comes from the Holy Spirit. He was each, he, he would, in fact, here's how he can give. He can do anything he wants to do, but I'm trying to get you to understand why it's called the gifts of Jesus. Because he is the only part of the Godhead that operated in all five of these here on earth. He operated in the apostolic. I'll, as I cover each one of these, I'll show you how he operated in them. He operated as a pastor, certainly. He operated certainly as an evangelist. He operated uh, as, a, as a prophet. He operated as a teacher. He operated in all five of them. The next thing on your notes is this. I'm going to go quickly. Jesus was a teacher. So I'm going to start with teacher. I'm going to work my way up to apostle. Jesus was a teacher. You ever heard the word rabbi? Yeah. Do you know what rabbi means? Teacher. That's all it means. Many times in scripture, Jesus is addressed by someone as rabbi. So in other words, they were looking at him, calling him rabbi, identifying the gift of teacher that was on him. 
It was the pattern of God early in the church, to, to, in addition to Jesus being the teacher, to establish teachers in the local church. 1 Corinthians 2.28 says this, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. So we know that he has appointed in the church apostles, prophets, and teachers. This is the local church. The local church. Are you hearing me? So he said, there's going to be teachers established. Acts 13, 1 says, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and what? Teachers. So you see, a prophet can teach, but not all teachers prophesy. But the reality is this, you take somebody operating in the prophetic realm and got the mantle of a prophet on him, and you're standing right next to somebody that's got the mantle of a pastor on him, and you stand next to them and got somebody that's got the mantle of a teacher on them, and have, give them the same notes, not all the time, but many times, you will see those notes taught in three different ways. Because each one of those gifts elaborates the word in a different way. Are y'all with me, church? But teachers have always been a very important part of the plan of God for the local church. So, so we've established that we need the five-fold ministry gifts. Now, I'm going to take just a couple of minutes to talk to you a little bit more about teachers. And then next week, we'll move all the way up to pastors, evangelists, prophets, and then the apostolic. Next thing you notice is this. Teachers are used by God to break down the Word of God and to take people to the next level. I'm going to say it again. Teachers are used by God to break down the Word of God and take people to the next level. Now, there, there's no doubt that Perry Stone, which I was just with, operates in all five of, of the ministry gifts. There's no doubt in my mind. But he's heavily anointed to be an evangelist. But more than anything, he's heavily anointed to be a teacher. In fact, he, he's like a teacher on steroids. Come on, if you know Perry Stone. I am, a, I am a, a notorious note taker, and I'm telling you, I went from handwriting to trying to type it out on my tablet, and it was a blur. I mean, it was like I was having to do shorthand. I, had to, I don't even know how to do shorthand. I invented my own shorthand, trying to type things out to try to remind myself this is what I meant when I said that. So I could go back in and fill the blanks. I mean, there's stuff pouring out of that man like crazy. But you don't teach like that unless you've spent time in the Word of God. You can't just make that up. You've got to actually get in this book. A teacher, you know, here, here's, here's a couple of different examples of, of, of a difference. Uh, what a way different gifts would operate. Uh... A prophet would take John 3, 16 and say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believed in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The Lord would say unto you, You better get right, get your life right with God, because he clearly said, If you choose Jesus, you're going to heaven. If you choose not to choose Jesus, you're going to hell. So what is this verse trying to tell you? The Lord said, Get your heart right, or you're going to go to hell. A pastor would read the same scripture and say, Well, you know what? Uh, the Lord loves you so much, just, just like a shepherd loves his sheep. He loves you so much. He wants to wrap his arms around you, and he wants you to know that, man, you meant so much to him that, that God gave his only begotten son. Did you get that, church? So that you would, you would never, ever have to perish. That if you believe in him, he'll leave the 99 and come get you. That's how much he loves you. A teacher would teach it. 
in the original Hebrew, the word love is the word agape. And agape means unconditional love. You see what I'm saying? Do you see the difference? Same scripture, same type of thing, but the gift operates in a different way. The teacher will break it down. The teacher anointing will make sure. He may not be as demonstrative in, in his pr- presentation. He might not be as crazy and wild as I get up here sometimes or some of these other that you see preach that kind of way. But that doesn't say they don't get excited. But most teachers are very intentional, very note-driven. They're going to make sure that you hear what the Word of God is saying. Are you hearing me, church? Apollos, which was uh, a, a man of God in the New Testament that was with Paul on many occasions, was a very respected teacher in the early church. Now I want you to watch now how God uses the apostle and prophet to bring revelation, and then the teacher expounds. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. In other words, you see the gifts flowing together. You see the apostolic and the prophet coming in, establishing a work because of the mantle that's on him. And then Apollos comes in and takes what Paul said and did and breaks it down so that everybody else can understand it on a level that he, because he's not, he's not traveling and leaving as quickly as Paul, so he spends time with them breaking down what the apostle and the prophet came in and prophesied. Are y'all hearing me? How many knows that's the pattern of the way God works really many times and a lot of times one plants another waters, the Lord gives the increase. But in this instance, we see what's being said is that there are certain fivefold ministry gifts that operated through Paul when he planted the work. There were other fivefold ministry gifts that operated in Apollos after the fact to enable the seed that he planted to grow. Are y'all with me? So Paul planted the seed, moved on to plant more seeds. But if you don't take time to take care of the seed, nurture it, fertilize it, pull the weeds out, it is not going to survive. So the teacher and the pastor are gifts that help nurture the seed. This is good preaching. Many times we'll hear powerful preaching that will bring a nugget, just a nugget. But it takes teaching to water that word so the word and so the Lord can grow it. That's why small groups are so important. Because small groups need to, most small groups, and you do what you want to do, but I would love to see every small group have some type of word in it. And, and what I love about some of the groups that I know about, they're taking my sermons when they meet, they take my sermons and break them down even further. They take what I preached on, on, for 40 to 45 minutes and they, they get these notes and they get in a small group sitting in the living room and they say, well, what do you think about when pastor said this? And they break it down even further. Helping people grow where they are planted. Oh, that's good preaching whether you shout amen or not. I, I guarantee I can go out there in the parking lot and preach to the cars, praise God. It's, I'm so anointed right now, I'll set the alarms off and they'll shout me down. We need to be under powerful preaching. But we also need to have teachers in our life who can break down the Word of God. A lot of times I do a little treaching up here. Some of y'all get that laugh. How many of those? I'm preaching the gospel right now, but I'm also teaching you right now, am I not? 
Am I also teaching you? Okay. Something to remember here. Apollos watered the word of Paul. A teacher must be under a covering. Oh, you got to get this. And always flow in order. Notice Apollos did not override Paul. He was in a place, and Apollos later on got promoted in the fivefold ministry gifts as well. But in this instance, what we're trying to tell you is this. The teacher anointing flowed up under the head and the covering of the apostolic and prophetic anointing. Because the anointing flows down from the head. Oh, y'all ain't hear me. See, a teacher must be under a covering and always flow in order, especially in the local church. A teacher needs to teach a word that supports the vision of the house. A teacher needs to preach a word and teach a word that supports the vision of the house. A teacher will never meet with other people in a local congregation and say things and teach things that are opposed to the vision of the pastor. My God, I'm preaching good right now. Let me tell you, you need to flee from anybody trying to pour anything in your life that is opposed to the the church and the pastor that God has put you and connected you with. You say, stop it, talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. You ain't going to talk about my pastor and you ain't going to talk about my church. You got an issue with the doctrine pastor's preaching? You need to go talk to pastor. Don't be running your mouth. Oh, my God, I'm getting this thing going. Last thing I notice is this. Everyone needs a teacher. Everyone needs a teacher in their life. The teacher needs to be careful to be biblical in everything he teaches because the teacher has power and has influence. People will, especially when they identify that gift on you and you begin to break down the intentions and, and, and the, the interpretation of Scripture, I know in a perfect world, everyone would study the Word of God for themselves. But let's be honest, 95 to 98% of, of Christians who attend church in America in most parts of the world most of them, the only in-depth word they ever get is on Sunday mornings in a Sunday school class or in a small group. And they, I don't know about you, but I'm, I, I am number one guilty of this. For many, many years of my life, I would say things early on in the pulpit and I would say them as fact because I had always heard preachers say it. And I just took for granted there would be no way that a preacher would say something like that, a doctrine or whatever, if it's not doctrinal. Until I started studying to show myself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth, are y'all hearing me, that I began to realize that a lot of things that I've spent my whole life believing was in the Bible was not even in the Bible. That's the power of influence of these fivefold gifts. You do not need to take them lightly because people will hear your words and will make life-altering decisions many times based on what you say. A teacher needs to be anointed and expound on the Word of God. Line upon line, precept upon precept. As I said, most all churches believe in the office of the teacher. But I believe it is a calling. It is not a position. It is a calling. 
Let me tell you what I mean by that, and I'll close. I was raised, I, I always have to preface this because people will twist my words. I thank God for my heritage. I don't, I don't thank God for this denomination I was raised in. Thank God for all that they've done for the kingdom and are still doing. But, but I was raised in a denomination, and some of you know about this, and some of you will be so, this will be so foreign to you because all you've ever known is Solid Rock Church. But when we had Sunday school classes and all this, every year, once a year, it was time to vote on who was going to teach that class the next year. Anybody ever been a part of a church where you voted on your teacher? Am I the only one, one or two? Okay. This is how it would go down. I remember this. This was all the way up until when me and Sandy were married. Probably still going on in a lot of, a lot of different churches. It would come time for the annual, what they called, um, vote of confidence for the pastor. And every year, the congregation, listen to this, would do an anonymous vote and turn it into the deacons on whether they were going to keep their pastor another year or not or if they wanted a new one. Some of y'all wondering, when's our next vote coming? <laughs> I might vote on you. No, I'm just kidding. But during that time, they would also go to the Sunday school class and say, it's time for you to decide who's going to be your Sunday school teacher. And this is why it would go down. They'd say, we'd all look around the room, and it, it would go like this. I'm talking about kids, and then when we became adults, even adults in adult classes, even the senior adult classes would do the same thing. They'd look around, you want to do it this year? No, I don't want to do it. I ain't got nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm too busy. You want to do it? No, no. You want to do it? You want to do it? Well, we need to nominate somebody. So we're not usually nominated the most popular person in the room, maybe even the best looking one in the room because you wanted to go out with them. And you wanted to be up, you wanted to show them that, hey, I, I nominated you. It was all politics. And they would go out in the hallway and stand out in the hallway while we did a vote on who would be our teacher. And most of the time, they didn't even want to be a teacher. They were just doing it because y'all, you know, they just felt obligated. They'd come back in, they'd say, they two of them come because you had to take two of them out there. And they'd come back in and you'd tell them which one was going to be your teacher for the next year. Can I tell you something? That is not the office of a teacher. That is not the office of a teacher. Come on, come on. That is not the office of a teacher. That's a popularity contest. And the, the office of a five-fold teacher is not a popularity contest. It is a mantle that comes on you, and here's how you know if you've got a teaching anointing on you. Here's, how you, here's one of the ways, not the only way. Here's one of the ways you'll know if there's a teaching anointing on you. You love the Word of God. You love the Word of God, and you study the Word of God, and your Bible is falling apart, because, but you're not falling apart. Come on, somebody. And you've written all in it. You've highlighted all in it. You've read all kinds of notes, and you may thought, well, that don't make me. I never thought that made me. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But let me tell you something. Maybe it does. Maybe you need to be open. Maybe you need to say, I love the Word. I don't ever could ever see myself standing in a pulpit with a microphone in my hand, but I love the word, Lord. I'm open because you, you've taught me things. I find myself studying things out, breaking things down. Maybe other people need this gift that's in me. Be open. Because here's the, here's the answer to that question if you ask that question. Yes, we do need it. Yes, we do need it. It's a calling. Teaching is one of the most honored positions that you can ever hold. Why? Because when you're a teacher, you are molding lives. 
You are molding people. If God is calling you to teach, let us know. Let me know. Let Sandy know. Let one of our elders know that you feel there's a, God, there's a call of teaching on you. I'm always being asked, every, every small group, does anybody have a Bible study? Well, I, we're, we're what we call a free market groups where we, do, we go do fun things. But one of the things that I think we really need is to get back to the Bible. Maybe God wants you to open up your living room with some chips and salsa once a week, once every other week, and take about 20 to 30 minutes and have an old-fashioned Bible study and teach the Word of God. The Bible said He sent His Word and it healed them. That's how Jesus fought the devil on the, on, in the, on the mountain when He was tempted three times. He fought the devil with the Word. We need teachers. Can I get an amen?